1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com here. Once again, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. Happy holidays to you. It's a rainy Tuesday in Kansas City. Christmas is over. What was your your favorite Christmas gift that you got?
2: Oh, well, I don't know. Because we haven't done all the Christmas parts yet. We haven't done everything. Yeah, well, Well, we were going to... 28th? Well, we were going to get together with our kids hmm. last week and okay. then the some of the kids some of the grandkids were sick and there was concern okay. about, you know, making other people sick. And so now we're doing that on New Year's Eve. So, I don't have everything yet. I do want to thank my wife for the leaf blower. It okay. is our fourth leaf hmm. we've we actually have four leaf blowers now, but this is a battery-operated one that works on the same batteries as my screw drill in the trailer and we're going to have a leaf blower at the campsite now from now on i'm very excited My about that God, look at this so well, if you're how looking weird... this summer for john dixon's
1: campsite <laughs> look for the one with no leaves on the ground because yeah. this thing is gotta be sparkling
2: well uh, the main thing you need you need it for is to clean off the top of the trailer before you close the slide and right. this will be a lot easier than what i've been doing which is with a brush and then the other reason you need it is to get the campfire going
1: well you were a rookie trailer guy
2: this past summer now you're a second
1: year trailer guy yep, i don't want to see any yeah. i don't want
3: right. to see
1: any kind of sophomore slump the other trailer rookies <laughs> <laughs> will be looking to you for some guidance so you got to keep that in mind as you go here right Yep. okay I, i'll keep that uh, no pressure no pressure yeah. right uh, this is the Airhead pride editor show this is the Airhead pride podcast network if you like our network we we ask you to leave us a rating and a review and we will read it On the show, which we're going to do now, we have three reviews that came in over the past week. We're going to do two now and then one at the end. And I'll have some stuff to talk about at the end with this final review. But let's get to the first two. All three were five stars. So we appreciate it. Okay, this one came in. I don't have the name here. Oh, yeah. GJM 157 Chiefs fans since 1971. When my beloved grandfather, grandmother and I watched the Chiefs lose to the Dolphins and the longest game in NFL history. Merry Christmas to, to all the Chiefs fans. Uh, prepped me for what was to come in the Reed era. However, there's a reason to listen to a Chiefs podcast, and this is the one. Pete Sweeney's a consummate pro, putting together new shows that the f- fans love. The editor show with John Dixon, and he puts in, in parentheses here, John, it's all about the marination, <laughs> which I... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> talk about a fan! I that sounds like a T-shirt to me. Yeah and, to get sure. and, yeah, and we need that for sure. Yeah, Laquan, uh, the lads across the pond. When will the Great Barrier Chiefs catch on? He asks, and Show and BK make him oh, laugh nice. every time. Pete's pressure questions are always the best. The almost he almost gets read to say something substantial <laughs> each week. Yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> You know, I'm working on it. I'm abroad for a year on the island of Rhodes at the moment, so I guess that means Rhode Island. And each morning, I listen to Arrowhead Pride for my connection to home and my Chiefs. Keep up the excellent work, Rhode Island, underrated
2: state. So, hello from Rhode Island. We appreciate the review, Mister But, he, but he's, he said he was. He said he was abroad. Is there another island named Rhodes somewhere else in time. the world? We only have so I, much yeah. time on
1: the show. I'm not going to look yeah, it up. I don't know. We'll have to. This look one up. comes in, John. You like this? Is this one comes in from Germany from Chief oh, nice. underscore Henry K. Hey, I am a Chiefs fan from Frankfurt, Germany. I just want to say that I love Arrowhead Pride. I hear your podcast nearly every day and love to keep myself updated with them about the Chiefs. My favorite shows are the Editor Show and the Great British Chiefs Show. Uh, keep up the good work. Greetings Henrik. I'm sure Henrik is waiting for the Great German Chiefs show. We'll see if that comes about <laughs> at some point here in the future. And i, I still I hung said, up on the Great Barrier Reef Chiefs show. I like that idea. The Great Barrier right. Chiefs show. Well, that's uh that's Brad's nickname for the Chiefs offensive line, the Great Barrier Chiefs, the new ah, offensive okay. line. Uh, it has not caught on as fast as Legion of Zoom, as it turns out. That, that was the breadwinner for Brad. Uh, so keep up the good work, Brad. Stay in the lab and continue to think about new nicknames for the Chiefs. Potato, I know you have a review. We're going to save yours for the end because it's extra special. All right, John, okay. let's get into this uh, Arrowhead Pride editor show. We have some news to get into first, and it's surrounding Clyde edwards Lair, who suffered a collarbone Injury in the Chiefs last game Ended up having to leave I was a little bit worried about this Because yeah, you, know, you can say it at this point And and the only way to get out of it For Clyde is to, to stay a little bit more On the field But it, it, he's become an injury prone back And to see him get injured again In this game And then be ruled out I was not optimistic Especially because collarbones can be weird A lot of times mm-hmm. when yeah. they say collarbone Much like they say Achilles injury doesn't mean something good. Now, collarbone is not going to keep you out for the whole year, but when you're already at week 17, I was a little bit worried about here. But anyway, so we get good news on what was Monday. First, Ian Rappaport, some good news following tests. There is no swelling. Uh, there is swelling, but no structural damage, and the injury is not season ending. Uh, Clyde Edwards E. Lair should return shortly, and then Uh, Ian Rappaport's nemesis, Adam Schefter, (laughs) chimes in with more details. Uh, Clyde is now considered week-to-week with a bruised shoulder. Per a league source, it will be challenging for Edward Z. Lair to play Sunday versus Cincinnati, but the fact that it is on the table is a win for CEH and the Chiefs. Now, I know a lot of fans here, and I've seen it in the mentions, are doing that sarcastic, well, we like Daryl and Derek Gore better anyway, First of all, not the time. Second of all, I think we get so caught up in the starting running back in the NFL that that becomes automatic where it's okay, Clyde is no longer available. Now we immediately have to say Daryl or Derek Gore, who's been great. They've both been great. Right. Mm -hmm. They should be the starter. We really look at the NFL. And this is something I want to bring about here. Every team is going with multiple running backs now. There's a couple backs like Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook, and when he's healthy, Christian McCaffrey that take the bulk of the snaps. You look across the, Jonathan Taylor's another. You look across the league, most teams are using multiple running backs. So mm-hmm. I don't think we were yep. anymore, especially in today's day and age. Maybe like in the days of Jamal Charles, that would make sense. But in, in today's day and age, it's not in this guy or this guy. It's a, to me, the Chiefs are better when they have all three of these options and they can mm-hmm. mix and match and they have fresh legs. And you have Clyde Edwards-Elair, who's the best runner on the team, by the way, for first and second down. Then you bring Daryl Williams in for the pass downs. He has been pretty good at catching the football this year. We had been talking on Slack, John, about how Daryl Williams quietly has more than 800 yards from scrimmage. I think Daryl's mm-hmm. great, but I don't know we, if we need to get like lost in well this means more daryl no i i think the chiefs are the best when they have all three of these options
2: well i think part of the at least as far as the chiefs are concerned a lot of the discussion regarding edwards allaire has to do with where he was drafted which i think is unfortunate um i I, you know i understand i understand the theory that um you know you can't draft a running back in the first round because it's too much draft capital to get up give up i understand that but I, I, I'm one of these guys who thinks that doesn't matter that much because, mm. you know, at the end of the day, where they're drafted has more to do with what everybody else does on draft day than it does with decisions that you're making. You know, I think people tend to think of, the, of a draft pick as being something that's set in stone based on ability, when in fact it has to do with what other teams do before you get to, the, get to your pick. And maybe, you know, one other team making another pick before the Chiefs, maybe some other player gets taken with the 30 second pick. I mean, I just think it's it's too think, weird to to do that, to get worked up about the fact he was taken in the first round. He was the guy they wanted most, of who was available and they took I, him. I think you make an interesting point. And if you
1: live in this hypothetical with me for a second. Sure. If if Willie Gay is drafted in the first round and Clyde edwards Lair is drafted in the second round, I think to your point, Chiefs fans are pretty satisfied with what they've gotten from both sure. players. It was the yeah. fact that mm-hmm. they went right. first, but it's the same result. So it's mm-hmm. all a mentality, the way you look at it type of thing. And I, I I agree with you. And the Chiefs went out on a limb. I think what hurt him, too, was just the hype that I, I think personally was internally created about Clyde where he had to live up to these expectations right away. I mean, yeah. Right. And he's been pretty he's been a pretty good back if you really even look at the numbers and consider the injuries. But there were these lofty expectations where he was supposed to be CMC, where he was supposed to maybe be in the realm of a Jonathan Taylor. It's been hard to live up to. Anyway, he is week to week. I think what we're looking at in my opinion is Clyde probably missing the last two games and having him fresh for the playoffs, similar to a scenario that, that the chiefs had last year. I feel for Clyde because when he was even coming back from the last injury, this was something that I asked him about at the press conference and his, his game back. And, and you know, if you go back and listen and he, he was open and saying, it's, it's hard. It's really frustrating right now, early on his career to have so much success at LSU. And then to continue to keep getting these injuries. So, you hope when Clyde comes back for the playoffs, he can have a little bit longer of a stay. Just some unlucky, uh, unluckiness when it comes to injuries uh, so far. Tyron Matthew in the game had a quad contusion. Uh, he seems to be fine. He went on to Twitter after the game. Someone asked him, are you okay? And uh, John Tyron said that he is Wolverine um, and won't miss a game. So, I mean, that's that's straight from the mouth of Tyron Matthew. Well, I thought he, I always I thought like he was a, a, a honey badger. And now we're going to right. X-Men. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you always like to have something that gives you the message with, uh, with some fun attached to it.
1: That's right. And, and he provided the fun. Speaking of Tyron Matthew right now, he's of course the candidate for the Walter Payton NFL man of the year. I think he is such a character that he'll be involved when they get to the semi-finalists and finalists of this thing. And we'll see if he ends up taking it home. But, with the Walter Payton Man of the Year Challenge. Again, if you want to vote for Tyron Matthew to get this extra bonus $25,000 for what I think will be the Tyron Matthew Foundation, makes the most sense. You go onto Twitter and you tweet hashtag WPMOYChallenge and Tyron Matthew's name. We did it this morning. So if you really want a quick way to do it, you can just go to the Arrowhead Pride Twitter account and retweet what we have. As we're talking, John, this tweet that I sent out from Arrowhead Pride with Tyron Matthew has 607 retweets or votes and counting. And that's going up. That'll probably end up being like north of 2000. So quick way to do it. Just go to our, our Twitter and retweet that he has been leading the entire time this challenge. And and the Chiefs fans have, have gotten it done in the past for Travis Kelsey and Eric Berry. Seems like we as a city are in prime position to do it for for tyron matthew again and, and we're rooting for him how cool would it be for tyron matthew to be the man
2: oh be? yeah yeah i've been sitting here wondering though what what superhero he might characteriz- characterize himself as being in order to improve his odds of winning the walter Payton man of the year now it couldn't be batman because no. he's you know he's kind of got that dark thing going on maybe superman Superman you know, is always, you know, the guy who helps the little children cross the street and all it, that. So it's
1: a, it's a shame Steve doesn't have a mic on this show in particular. He, of course, is a contributor <laughs> to show in VK because this is a, a prime <laughs> Steve Serta question of which superhero. He's a big superhero guy, but someone know, with mental okay. acuity and, and you know, numbers mm-hmm. tweeted tweeted us tweet at PG Sween and Arrow Headphones. If you have the superhero for Tyron Matthew, we'll read that on the next show. Snap counts we don't have yet. We're working on them. Some complications there, but it seemed like the younger players got a lot more burn in this game they did. for good reason. The COVID- I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the COVID-19 yeah. Uh, list was really impacting um, these guys. We <laughs> should, speaking of the COVID-19 list, I don't have this on the rundown, but I should have put it there, John. We should update uh, our, our listeners on, on what's happening with COVID right now. So essentially the names to watch to me, are the players that were activated on on Saturday. Mm -hmm, And they also happen to be the most important players that were within the realm of COVID-19. They were Nick Bolton, the leading tackler for the Chiefs, tight end Travis Kelsey and right tackle Lucas Niang. Technically speaking, they are on the 53-man roster. They needed to be on Saturday because the Chiefs figured that they might have a chance to test negative on Sunday and play in the game. They did not. Why did the Chiefs think this? Because the NFL changed protocols so that they're lowering the viral load of coronavirus. I don't even know exactly what that means. It's amount of coronavirus in your body.
3: Right. These
1: guys did not pass. On Monday, the Chiefs kept them on the active roster, Mm -hmm. which should be a good indication that we should see their return this week, right? We know that... Rashad Fenton, Armani Watts, Harrison Butker, and Tommy Townsend, and then some practice squad players are still on the COVID-19 list. Kyle Long has been activated, which means he has, in all likelihood, 99% clear COVID protocols. Four players that were elevated because of the COVID, DiCaprio Boodle, Dakia Griffin-Stewart, Josh Jackson, and Johnny Townsend, they reverted back to the practice squad. Eric, Eric Dieter, you saw next to Patrick Mahomes, I don't think he had COVID on Sunday. I'll tell you that uh, yeah. he's back to the practice squad. And then, uh, um, the punter Johnny Townsend has been released, or
2: was it the kicker? No, no, no. Johnny Townsend went back to Joe the practice Charlton. squad. Right. It's it's uh, it's Joseph Charlton, whom the jo- Chiefs signed simultaneously to <laughs> this, to Johnny Townsend.
1: <laughs> these are very special circumstances right now. Where yeah. I can't remember right. Everyone's name. So Joe Charlton. Right. He was in the mix to potentially be a punter. He had also held at South Carolina uh, for Elliot Fry, who was the replacement mm-hmm. kicker. We'll emphasize replacement because as soon as he can be replaced, they should do it because he yeah. did not make every kick on Sunday. Right. And so Joe Charlton is now gone from the yeah. the, the the Chiefs roster, so they feel like they're yeah. they're okay there.
2: You kind of have to wonder if Fry would have done better if Charlton had been holding for him. But maybe yeah. they just didn't think that Charlton could punt well enough to make it worth, you know, uh, helping fry out. You know, the, these, these are the things that Dave Tobe has to worry about every day that we probably don't appreciate as much as we should. What's amazing to me about
1: it. I'm going to burn one of my marinade. I don't care. What's amazing <laughs> to me about it is that <laughs> this was a get by game where if the Chiefs won three, nothing. Would have been through right,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. To
1: do what they did with these replacement players was simply amazing, just ruining the Steelers' season. The, the the Steelers have to be demoralized. I don't expect them to be in the postseason after what they did against the, a lot of Chiefs backups offensively on Sunday. They couldn't do anything, um, um offensively themselves because of the way the Chiefs were playing. And I, I, you know, this to me, you know, you talk about signature wins and we go back to 19 and are always talking about different points in the season, like Pinnell, the Titans, so on and so forth. This, to me, it's one of those signature wins because the Chiefs could have a bunch of replacement players and lost this game and kind of been taken out of the mix for the first round by. If they end up getting it, this game will be huge, and it's because of Byron Pringle and DiCaprio Boodle and Derek Gore, right? So I I think that'll be one of the points if the Chiefs were able to get back to uh, the promised land. I think this game will be one that you remember for a long time. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the the thing that was interesting to me about this game going into it was the Steelers had um, plenty of reasons to win this game. And if the Chiefs had lost it, there were some built-in excuses. Right. And when you're in a situation like that and you come out with a dominating win, that's a real dominating win. I mean, I think you're 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 talking about this exactly right, that this is going to be a game we remember for a long time because of the particular circumstances that surrounded it, that were pretty much out of the control of either team, but are still part of, you know, what makes the the narrative of the game happen. And uh, such a big win. Just amazing. And yeah, I think we're going to be talking about it for a long time.
1: Leads the Chiefs into a Week 17 matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, who are playing well themselves. They're leading their division, Mm -hmm. and they have a lot to play for. They're still trying to find their way into what could be the mix for the first round by themselves. The Chiefs opened as four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, and I checked this morning, John, it already grew to five. Mm -hmm. So the general public is backing the Chiefs so far. So many betting on the Chiefs at four and a half That they had to raise it to five points So Chiefs favored on the road in Cincinnati In what quietly I think is Becoming one of the AFC games Of the year and a quick point back to the COVID Stuff I forgot to mention this I think it it was even more impressive too because you look at The LA Chargers missing four of their pieces And they get upset by the Houston Texans and what a Swing that will be now in The AFC the Chargers don't even Control their own destiny anymore so you're looking Mm -hmm. At an AFC playoff picture that is Becoming Chiefs friendly and so uh, we'll see what ends up happening uh, as the rest of the season plays on. Two more games left. Two more games yep. left with a lot of playoff implications. MVP odds. I thought this was interesting. Patrick Mahomes has kind of suddenly reemerged here in a, in a last-ditch effort to maybe get it done. He's tied for fourth place in MVP odds with Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. They are both plus 1,200. Third place. The old man in Tampa, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, plus <laughs> seven fifty. I don't even know why I did it. Uh, the <laughs> second odds, John, is a running back. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Jonathan Taylor, plus mm-hmm. six hundred, and then Aaron Rodgers is the favorite right now at minus one seventy five. I don't know, man. I I don't. I know they give it to a quarterback every year. To me, it's Jonathan Taylor. I think you got to look at the team and where they would be without it, and maybe you could say the same thing about about Green Bay. But Carson Wentz is not not it in Indianapolis. If they didn't have Jonathan Taylor, they wouldn't even be close to what they're they're doing right now. That to me screams value. I'd probably go with Taylor, uh, John. Of those five, Rodgers, Taylor, Brady, Allen, and Mahomes. Do, do you? Do you think Mahomes should even be in that mix, or who would you, who do you favor in that?
2: Well, based on how they've played this year, I think you have to favor Brady over Mahomes. I hate to say that. I yeah. I, I really hate to say that, but we can be fair know, we, in saying that, like, of these five, yeah.
1: Mahomes is probably not one, right? I, I think we can agree. At least, yeah. I mean, yeah. This, is a, this is a player who we have seen in games throw for six touchdowns and who right, knows right. You know, that could
2: happen and he and he and okay. he's played brilliantly the last couple right. of games no question about it but you you know there's a lot of games where he didn't play brilliantly this year right. and so it's it's hard to say oh yeah he deserves it more than tom brady now i think what could happen here is that rogers could get the mvb mvp because this voting all happens at the end of the regular season and then what if he doesn't you wonder if he doesn't make do anything in the postseason that's one of the problems with the MVP voting is that it's based entirely on the the regular season so uh,
1: i i i gotta tell you i have grown to a point in this job where i have begun hearing chiefs fans in my head as we talk and i can hear you guys right (laughs) now don't worry he'll get the super bowl mvp i hear you i know that's what you're saying in your car right now and and like you're saying john I think a lot of Chiefs fans would take that over a smelly old regular season sure. AP. Oh, and we're talking about too. Associated Press, by the way, not Arrowhead Pride
2: NFL MVP. Well, someday it'll be the Arrowhead Pride MVP. Someday we'll have enough power that we'll be able to control that. And shout out
1: to the the Arrowhead Pride bi-week awards, the world yeah, famous. There you uh, go. There you right go. Along with the world famous takeaways coming up in segment three. But before we get do that, we gotta discuss. What Andy Reid said in his Monday afternoon Zoom press conference. You're listening to the Pride Editor's Show.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in.
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. I had mentioned it is a rainy Tuesday. When it is a rainy day of any sort, it could be any day of the week. Tough to get out of bed, but I'm glad that you got out of bed with us to listen to us here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Chiefs head coach Andy Reid always gets out of bed early. He always beats everyone to the facility, so he was primed up and oiled and ready to go on Monday to speak to the media. And... Uh we first—I uh, have the wrong one pulled up here. So, John, why don't you stall for a second as I get the right takeaways pulled up? I'm just um,
2: well. I'm going to have to discuss why you think Andy Reid was oiled. That's that's really sticking in my mind right now. Oiled? How do? You, where does that come from exactly? It's a a mental image I can't really quite get get my head around.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, uh, he he. The, when when Coach Reid gets to the stadium, he makes make sure to be oiled up and and ready to go. Okay. Um, and so, all right. okay, all right, we have stalled enough. Now that you've pictured Andy Reid oiled up, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Andy Reid uh, said he expects members of the, the Chiefs coaching staff to be contacted regarding head coaching positions this week. Well, that sounds weird because the season isn't over yet. Well, the right. NFL changed the rules for the final two weeks of the season now coaches can be contacted. And that, in a sense, favors Eric Bianami because Biennemi was having to wait a a long time to Mm -hmm. be in the mix for these jobs because the Chiefs would just be playing forever and forever, and they could only do it by the time, I believe, the conference championship off week rolled around Mm -hmm. after that. That's too long because they want to get their coach in line so that they're not missing out on what could be a B option if the A option doesn't work out. Anyway, here's what Andy Reid said regarding that
3: i'm sure i'll hear from people on that um eric bianney spags has been a head coach and could easily jump in somewhere too I mean, you know, I've, I've hammered the point about eric bianney and um i just think the world of the guy and i he's tremendous and you know so I, I would imagine and there are other guys i mean there are other guys on the staff so whatever happens happens um there i'm always pulling for guys that if they have an opportunity to be promoted more power to them so
1: Eric Biannimi is is not the interesting part here, I think. We, we've been talking about Eric Biannimi the last three off-seasons. We are very hopeful that he finally gets a position. Andy Reid mentioning Spag, Spags here. Steve Spagnolo. Steve Spagnolo said in the past that he still this is when he was a member of the Chiefs staff. He, he still has this burning desire to, to be a head coach. Do we really think that Steve Spagnolo could be taken from the Chiefs? I, I don't know. I tend to think the St. Louis Rams went so poorly that be tough for a team to to go in that direction but i i guess you never know here
2: yeah i i have a hard time believing that he'll be a top candidate i i think he maybe deserves to be a top candidate um you know he did have some bad experiences as a head coach and maybe that'll keep people from being interested in him but you know guys get rehired as head coaches all the time in the yeah. NFL so even you know they they, they get jobs they get fired from those jobs eventually then they get other jobs so it's not like it can't happen so I think what hurts
1: defensive options at head coach is that it, it's been such a trend to hire the offensive guy and have that be your play mm-hmm. caller. And mm-hmm. and to me, that's why the enemy naturally has a chance. The last you know, real defensive coach that that sticks out of my brain is right here in the division. I guess both teams in the division and Staley and 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 Fangio. And I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I think the jury is is still a little bit out on these guys, especially Fangio, who I, I project is going to end up losing his job. So I think there'll be some coaching opportunities. There's already going to be one in Vegas The two jobs right now, by the way, are in las vegas uh and jacksonville who have both mm-hmm. fired their coaches we know about that and then i really do think that denver will have an opening i guess it remains to be seen how the rest of the the se- season and then the offseason goes and because they went fangio last time john i think they go offense this time and i i think the enemy could be an option there um oh man oh I
2: don't even <laughs> want to think about that. I don't even want to think about a uh, Chiefs assistant becoming a head coach in the division. I I I don't know. I think I think Andy Reid is so loyal to these guys that they would want to be loyal in return and not take a job like that. I think the one that Eric Bieniemy might consider taking would be Jacksonville. Yeah. Because they've got uh they've got some things going for him that he could maybe improve. You know, he could maybe make them a better team. Because they do have some things going for them. I think one of their biggest problems this year has been Urban Meyer. So, uh, you the know, Jaguars, I, I think he could do really well there. The Jaguars just lost
1: James Robinson for the remainder of their meaningless season. And they should be getting Travis Etienne of Clemson back next year. He was quite a talent. And we know that Biennemi loves his his running backs. And Biennemi took it in Jacksonville. I, I just think the the coaches or the, they would have to find a really good quarterbacks coach, you know, cause the enemy specialty is more the run game and you're dealing with the player in Trevor Lawrence who just had a year burned by urban Meyer. So that's, I don't know if I would, I, I think Jacksonville is an option. I also think this, and, and this is unfortunate about Eric Bianami and where he's at. And this is, I guess I disagree on both points just because I almost, if he gets a division job, fine. He's at the point where he has to take anything. I mean, it, the Houston Texans could open up again, which mm, is not an ideal yeah. situation. I, I just feel like he would have to go there if that was another option again. I, it's getting to a point because you see this with co- head coaching candidates in the league. Sometimes enough time can pass where they they end up out of the mix. I, we've seen it in Kansas City with Uncle Dave. Dave Tote sure. was a popular yeah. head coaching candidate for a few years, and then all of a sudden you just never heard about him anymore. And I, I think that can happen. Less likely to happen would be enemy, but the sooner the better uh, when it comes to E.B., I mentioned in this Chief Steelers game, the stars were all undrafted free agents. Daryl Williams, Derek Gore, and Byron Pringle all stood out. And here were Andy Reid's words on the personnel staff and what they've been able to do when it comes to, to these guys.
3: Yeah, listen, I think they do a phenomenal job. One, one great thing about Brett is he's a good communicator. He talks to the coaches, he finds out what they need and want and what makes their whatever scheme is uh, that they, they're working with uh fit. So I, I appreciate that. He's been on this, on, on the side of the coaching side. So he knows the challenges there and he's able to kind of work that in with the personnel side and the challenges that they, they have on the personnel side. So, and blend it and does a good job. He's got a, he's got a good staff too. So those guys bust their tail to, to get everything right. You know, his right hand guy is Borganzi and they, they work hand in hand and attack all the time. So, I mean, you know, you guys, you guys have talked to Brett and you know how he, how he rolls. So he's always, uh, keeping his eyes open.
1: Yeah, John, Brett Feach tends to have a knack at these undrafted free agents and especially these day three guys. And you, you can't ever predict a pandemic, but what an important game. And, and we had discussed it. What a, uh, what a boost for the chiefs to have some of these guys waiting in the wings ready to, to break out.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I think there's an underrated, uh, underappreciated aspect to this though. And that's also a team's willingness to use those guys. You know, we always talk about, you know, Carl Peterson couldn't do this and, uh, and Pioli couldn't do that. And, you know, a lot of the trouble has comes down to players not getting on the field because, um, the coaches don't want to put him out there. They don't trust him. and we talk about that with Steve Spagnolo sometimes. That he isn't wild about putting rookies on the field, but he will put them out there
1: and veterans. He's yeah, a, he's yeah, an he old does. Guy,
2: guy, yeah, and I'm an but old guy, he will guy put them podcast, out. Cast,
1: John, I, I I favor some old guys.
2: Yeah, but I, I mean, the, he will put them out there if, if but they just have a, a higher wall to climb. But there have yes. been some Chiefs head coaches over the years that would not put rookies on the field and they would draft these guys and they would just wither on the vine. Yeah. And I think that, so that's part of the equation here is that the Chiefs are willing to give these guys opportunities to play. Obviously, they had more opportunity in the Pittsburgh game because so many key contributors were out because of covid. Uh, but it's not like those are the only times we saw these guys pringles use has been steadily increasing over the course of the year and they they see this and they go yeah this guy is contributing for us let's give him more more work and then he continues to contribute he continues to get more work and that doesn't happen with every team and i i i think that that's part of the equation here yes i agree that veach does a good job but part of it is what happens after he makes those decisions
1: I do want partial credit on Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle started oh, this course. game with, with a drop, and I, I said on Twitter, Byron Pringle always made the most of limited opportunities, but since he's gotten more consistent work since the bye week, a few drops here and there are tough, and then he had the game of his life. So I right. reversed the course for you, Byron, and any <laughs> of that Pringle money that you want to throw my way, I, I'd be happy to take it. So Get get Pete some chips, would you please? Throwing that out there. I also, I'll tell you this, and if if the payment has to come in chips, the sour cream and onion happens to be my favorite.
2: Oh, okay. Good for you. Yeah, okay. Because I don't like those.
1: Okay, despite winning the AFC West, Andy Reid and the Chiefs are full steam ahead as they prepare to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are playing really well. Joe Burrow had 525 yards last week. So this is a player that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. And I think he is starting to have top five upside in the league. I think this is a up and coming Bengals program. This does not feel like the Bengals of old. The Bengals for a long time had the chiefs thing going on where they couldn't really get over the hump. And they, you know, with the days of Dalton, they, I remember they made the playoffs four years in a row and they were eliminated four years in a row, uh, which had to be maddening for them. And this really feels like they finally have an elite quarterback. Anyway, there were some questions, uh, monday about whether or not andy reed would be uh in a sense resting some players but uh, he he confirmed that this is a full go we are trying to get that afc by
3: yeah so um we feel we're not pulling off i mean we're going to keep keep going and I mean, this is a very important game against a very good football team so we, we've got to make sure that we get ourselves prepared for that we don't have a cushion there like in years past a couple of the years past we've I've had a little bit of a cushion there, but that's not the way it sits this year.
1: So this to me, I don't know. It feels like, John, uh, a little obvious, but I, I guess just confirmed here, uh, we've seen a tendency for Andy Reid. Like Andy Reid doesn't take his foot off the gas until he can no longer have anything to play for, which might be the case week 18, by the way. If the Chiefs, I, we're going to go into the playoff picture, but if the Chiefs <clears throat> end up beating the Bengals and Miami, who's playing really well, ends Mm -hmm. up beating Tennessee, the Chiefs lock up the AFC bye week and number one seed on Sunday, and then Mm -hmm. week 18 will be another thing. But so long as Andy Reid can continue to play for a playoff bye, he is going to play any player that he has available.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's not going to give up as long as there's anything to play for. I do think, though, that uh, he's going to wait and see what the situation is before he decides what he's going to do. With regard to that final game, should the Chiefs lock it up? Um, I think he looks at a lot of different factors and we might get something of uh, both.
1: Like a like a hybrid type of situation.
2: Right. Where the starters get some some work in, but they don't play for the whole game. Yeah, Yeah, I think we could see that course we we speculate that every year and it rarely happens quite that way <laughs> yeah <laughs> no and
1: got to be careful with chad henny i mean we don't need uh, 30 fumbles uh, <laughs> just kidding obviously chad any yeah that uh, was not a
2: good a good start <laughs> there
1: <laughs> was not ready or something two yeah. fumbles you don't see he actually i don't have the clip up. i wish i had pulled it but he actually made come on man on espn ahead of monday night football last <laughs> yeah. night because he ended up fumbling twice but Chad, look, Chad Henney has come in in some big spots uh, for the Chiefs. Talk about that that Cleveland Browns game where Mahomes had to come out due to the concussion protocol stuff, and and has made some big big plays. And I know that the Chiefs' coaching staff really sees him as an additional quarterbacks coach uh, in addition to what is Mike Kafka and Eric Bieniemy and, and Andy Reid himself. So uh, those are your Andy Reid takeaways from Monday afternoon on Zoom. When we come back, it's our world famous. Marinated takeaways and our best chiefs thing we heard all week. Stay with us. This is the hit Prod editor's show.
0: Well, I'm gonna let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt, react, readapt.
2: It takes time, it takes years.
0: <laughs> That's the
1: takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up with some of our marinated takeaways. The game is two days old. These are world-famous takeaways, John. As you know, the Chiefs winning a blowout game, 36-10 to 10 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. What is your first marinated takeaway?
2: Yeah, this one actually occurred to me um, after we started talking during the show here. Uh, it occurred to me several times during the game That Byron Pringle looked a lot like Travis Kelsey while he was playing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. He, he, you know, went out there, caught balls, fought for extra yards, um, played like Kelsey did. And uh, that really struck me. I had never, you know, maybe it's just because Kelsey wasn't on the field and we were, you know, magically hoping that somebody would fill that role. But um, maybe he plays like this all the time and it just never strikes me that way. But it certainly struck me on Sunday that Pringle looked a lot like Travis Kelsey. And of course, that's a good thing. Um, But And obviously had the production to go with it. So, uh, you know, great, great performance from Byron Pringle on Sunday. I got something stemming
1: off of Pringle. The first Pringle touchdown, Patrick Mahomes had just, it seemed like an hour of time to find the receiver.
3: (laughs) Yeah. If you give
1: Patrick Mahomes that much time, as long as these guys keep running like Pringle did to his credit, he's learned that over the years, you're going to end up getting a touchdown eventually. And I, I think the greater point is about the offensive line and just the job they did on Sunday. If you go back to the press conferences after the game, this was something that I ended up asking Andy Reed about. And, and, you know, essentially he said it, it's a work work in progress and you could, Feel that Mahomes, I think, is finally starting to have more confidence in the past pro. But I think parlayed with that is he is really beginning to click and learn where they're going to be. And they're learning, I think, where mm-hmm. he's going to be. And you're starting to see that old school vintage Mahomes where he's feeling comfortable enough to multiple times a game. Do a little bit of the showcase throws and yeah we've seen a showcase throw here and there there as the year has gone on not like we saw on sunday where he was really i think running a four-quarter magician type of show and he's only going to do that if he's feeling comfortable and i just think the confidence in the offensive line is there and this is my first of my two-prong marinated takeaway I think if Patrick Mahomes is feeling like Patrick Mahomes again, that is trouble for the AFC.
2: Oh, trouble absolutely, AFC. yeah, I completely agree, and and I and I think you see that there are times where Mahomes stays in the pocket now, where before he would have bailed, and that he steps if up he, in the pocket, yes, when he would have would have bailed in the past. And we've been talking about it all year, you know, that Mahomes needs to learn. How to be an effective pocket passer. And that starts with learning when it's appropriate to be in the pocket and when it's appropriate not to be in the pocket. And so we're seeing that progress in Mahomes. And on Sunday, he did a terrific job of balancing the take what the defense gives you approach with those trademark things that have made him famous in his NFL career. This is the guy that what we saw on Sunday is the guy that everybody in the league is scared to death to see.
1: Bonus point on that, too. When you think about Tom Brady and his receivers over the years, and in your brain you're like, okay, well, there was Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, there was also Dion Branch and (laughs) Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. This might be a glimpse into the future type of game where Mm -hmm. you'll see... Different eras of Mahomes with different players. Stinks to say this, but Travis Kelsey is not going to play forever. There's going right. to be a new tight end that Mahomes mm-hmm. likes at some point. There'll be a new go to receiver other than Tyreek Hill we have not talked about this, but Tyreek Hill is going to be very difficult to pay along with Patrick Mahomes when you'd have to talk about all the other Mm -hmm. players. And so I thought this was a nice glimpse game where you got to see in a game where you didn't have Travis Kelsey in a game where Tyreek Hill was just off the COVID list and he had some symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he wasn't fully a hundred percent. Right. And he had to rely on other guys and Mahomes. It took him a while this season to get there, but he looked just as good with this, ragtag team Mm of skill position players and so i I just thought that was an impressive aspect to it as well
2: and that's part of of him learning how to be more effective in the pocket too you know part of the reason that he's been so successful with hill and kelsey is that he has that relationship with them where they know where he expects them to go and vice versa and so uh and and you know you can't build that relationship with a whole bunch of players simultaneously it takes some time and one of the nice things about what maybe the only nice thing about what's happened in the last 10 days at Arrowhead stadium is that the chiefs were forced to give those other receivers an opportunity, both in practice and in the game to work with Patrick Mahomes. And that's how they're going to develop those relationships. And, and it get, and you're right. I think it gives us a glimpse of what the team could look like with Mahomes under center. Once those, key players we have now are gone and they will be gone sooner or later. What's your next marinated takeaway, John? I think one of the other things we saw on Sunday is what happens when the chiefs really do emphasize running the ball. You know, they weren't terribly effective at it. You know, the, the yards per carry average was not very high. Um, but they did run the ball. They stuck with running the ball and look what happened. Patrick Mahomes had a fantastic game because yeah. the the Steelers were forced to uh, to respect the running game. I mean, we weren't gashing them, you know, uh, and it'd be nice if we could gash them. That means they have to respect the run even more, maybe open up more deep, plant, deep passing plays. But they stuck with it. They committed to it, and look what happened in the game. Now, in fairness, part of the reason that, it worked out that way is because they had such a big lead. But, you know, we've seen Andy Reid abandon the run even when he's got a big re- big lead. So I, I was glad to see that.
1: You also saw a willingness for Patrick Mumps to check down to the backs.
2: Yes. And if mm-hmm. he can
1: get in the habit of knowing when to do that, get a little Alex Smith action in his game, yeah. mm-hmm. you're going to have to respect the deep ball uh, even more. Or I should say, you're going to have to respect that that small ball even more, which will open up the the mm-hmm. deep ball that's the correct way to say that okay all right right uh, it's how it's the holidays so I think that's something to watch too as long as Patrick Mahomes continues to feel comfortable doing that in those type of situations oh look they're playing me back oh there's an extra defender coming dump mm-hmm. eight mm-hmm. yards that's gonna yeah. open up that the 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 deep ball for Tyree Kill and McCullough Hardman and and the other players as well my other marinated takeaway and, and i said that it was two pronged and this is the other prong of afc watch out this is an elite front the defense somehow went to historically bad to elite it's incredible to say that but just watching chris jones and melvin ingram and you have frank clark but then as the game goes on and they insert alex okafor and mike dana and there's little drop off and these guys are just staying fresh throughout a game and you could keep chris jones fresh and the snap counts. I looked at PFF. It looked like he was playing almost evenly inside outside. You never know where Chris Jones is going to be. You never mm-hmm. know what he's going to do. If he's fresh, he's coming at you. Uh, he is one of the best defensive linemen in the league, and he has really a supporting cast. You've seen Jaron Reed play better now that there's other
2: mm-hmm. decent
1: players on the line. And so I just think that that makes the whole defense that, that that's sort of been confirmed in questions to Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew at the last two weeks. The key to this defense being good and the way it's designed with maybe not premium picks in the secondary, some solid linebacker play, but really investing in that defensive line is get to the quarterback, set the edge, and don't let a guy like Najee Harris end up ruining your day. And with the offense playing like this and the defense kind of holding up their end of the bargain, eventually these damn specialists will be off the COVID list. This is going to be the the toughest team to beat in the AFC, bar none, even after some of their early struggles in the season. And I I think the the elite play of the front four is the key point there.
2: Well, I think you could even make the the case that they're already the team to beat in the AFC uh, right now, because look what they did with so many key players on the sidelines on Sunday. I mean, that to me is the most amazing part of it. And that there's a lot of things that go into that. I talked about them, you know, playing undrafted players, uh, you know, and giving everybody opportunities to get on the field so that they can be ready to play in that kind of situation. And, you know, Veach is part of that. The coaches are part of that. But to me, that was the key thing we were going to learn in Sunday's game was how good the Chiefs' depth was. And good. Yeah. The answer is it's good. So that's always a great thing to have.
1: Our pal Cody Tap Creed is good. Creed is good. As, as It's an unbelievable campaign. I mean, even the Chiefs are now talking about it in their victory speech. So kudos to, to Cody and that crew for getting the Creed word out. And, and as Mac Jones continues to struggle, you're wondering if Creed Humphrey can start to fight off Jamar Chase for offensive rookie of the year. I don't think so, but we'll see. All right. Any other marinated takeaways, John?
2: Yeah, um, I don't know if this is really a marinated takeaway, but I I wanted to get this in the show. I'd like to thank all the Chiefs fans, both in Kansas City and around the world, who have contributed their special ways to help the Chiefs maintain their streak. Mm. I didn't even realize it, but I think I started rebuilding the beard about the time the Chiefs started to win. Looks good. So I, I'm not sure I like it all that much, but I the can't scruff. shave it now. You know, the scruff is the stuff, <laughs> right? Without, that's without right. going
1: in too far here, John, does the wife enjoy the, the scruff here? She does. She does. Okay. I'm I mean, not that's... sure
2: I like it much, but she likes it. So that's, that's a good thing.
1: Uh, um, as someone I mean, who's a little so my... bit younger than you, I'll just tell you this. Happy wife, happy life. I mean, that's oh, something I, that you got to Yeah,
2: remember. I knew that. Geez. Okay, good. And, good. and the other thing is, uh, I want to mention my son who has told me that he has learned that he has to have different socks for road games mm-hmm. and home games in yes. order to keep the Chiefs winning.
1: Anything and that I know, you're doing, keep on doing.
2: Yeah, right. Because as we have learned, I've forgotten where I learned this. Somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere I learned. That that is, yeah, somewhere. I wish I could remember where. It's only weird if it doesn't work. <laughs> so let's just keep at it. It's only
1: awkward stands. if you make it awkward. So keep that in mind. Okay, let's get into the best Chiefs thing we heard all week.
2: That's it, Clyde. It's like walnuts cracking at Christmas time. And then you have that angry bounding or sort of pissed off cavorting that happens afterwards. And look at this freeze frame. This gentleman scored a touchdown on this play. Make it make sense. Choose your own adventure. He's surrounded by Steelers. We'll break all of them off. And go skipping angrily into the end zone. Roll it. Let's go, Clyde. We've been waiting on this one for two years. And the sector go to the home
1: of the AFC champions, the AFC West champions. Will they be the angry run champions? There you go, Kyle Brant, recognizing Clyde Edwards-Helaire finally for an angry run, which he he does on Good Morning Football of NFL Network. um John, that that was an impressive run, or <clears throat> as impressive of a run as we've seen from Clyde edwards oh,
2: yeah. Maybe
1: period. He looked like he was dead to rights with two Pittsburgh defenders, as Brandt enthusiastically alluded to. Friend of friend of the site, Kyle Brandt, as he enthusiastically alluded to. You heard the pop of the pads, and Clyde just kept on running. And again, a shame that he was injured later in the game, but. I think that's the type of run that Chiefs fans have been waiting for for a long time.
2: Oh yeah, I'm more of those. And I think the discussion about the first round pick will become less and less important among Chiefs fans. But uh, and you know, it's fair to say that the part of the reason he was able to make that happen is those two guys ran into each other. That's mm. that's a, a fair a try collision. Yeah, that's a. But he still has to figure out a way to get away from that, and he did. So he gets credit for that. And I'd also just like to point out, as someone who was in the business before, that it's really hard to knock a lavalier microphone off of your shirt. And so kudos to Kyle Brandt for figuring out a way to make that happen so that the rest of the time it sounds like this because the microphone (laughs) is laying on the floor. Uh, Yeah,
1: very excited about Clyde. He's probably been waiting for that as well. I I believe he's a Chicago guy originally. Uh, So his bears are, are, are not going anywhere right now. So he has to find other teams to be enthusiastic about uh, we, we have a great interview up if you want to dig on our YouTube with Kyle Brands. So thanks for doing that. We'll have to do that again this uh, offseason but there you go. Uh, Clyde by the way did not get the angriest run of the week that went to David Montgomery so no scepter going to Clyde Edwards Elaire. All right so that's our, our best Chiefs thing we heard all week. It's time to get back to the review before we go. Oh boy. Here we go. <sighs> and this is from a username named Potato. And the reason I'm sighing is because of, of the beginning of this. Okay, so I love the podcast, but I only write this review because I want my tinfoil hat theory read on the Arrowhead Drive and discussed. And then he, and then he, look at this threat, John. In parentheses, he puts, I got guess, I'm guessing it's a he. If you don't read and discuss, I will change this to a one star review. So there's wow. a threat. There. I'm being threatened on my wow. podcast. So thank you for the thread. And, and look, don't change it. We're, we're reading it. You ready for this? <clears throat> Here we go. My Chiefs theory. We all know Andy Reid loves to help get his assistants head coaching jobs, right? Well, what if the Chiefs' offensive struggles had been because Reid passed off the offense to Eric Enemy during the week for preparation while he goes off to help Spags with the defense? Reid might have thought. That if he passed off the offense to be and they continued to dominate, then he would be able to sing his praises during the hiring season by saying, well, the has actually been running the offense all year. So you contribute our success to him. But because the offensive has has had big struggles, he has to keep it hush hush to not ruin his chance at head coaching jobs. I know we have been attributing the defensive improvement to everyone getting healthy, playing the right positions and adding Ingram. But you guys said it yourself. It's unprecedented for a defense to turn it around this much. And it's more than just the players' health and positions that has changed the defense. The schemes and tendencies have shifted as well, although not drastically. The only person who could have had significant enough influence to change defensive tendencies is Andy Reid. So I'm not saying that Reid is all in on the defense and the offense during the week for game planning and practice whatever percentages he was giving them flipped. Maybe he's 70% defense playing 90, 30% offense. And again, I think Reed saw that his defense needed help to win. If you remember, Reed has done this before with Bob Sutton, and that he also saw that if he could give the reins of the offense to be enemy, he could give him enough praise and credit to get him a head coaching job. Because also remember Reed lamented last year that he didn't get one and he thinks be enemy is deserving of one. John, I'll let you react to this tin foil hat theory.
2: Well, it is a tinfoil hat theory. Um, and I understand why people think this. But I think if you're going to, and I've, I've, I've seen this happen uh, among fans, where they're like looking at the screen during the game to figure out how much Biennemi is talking and how <laughs> much Reed is talking. I'm sorry. I just think that's that's a silly way to find evidence for your beliefs. Okay. I just think, I, I, I think they're both going to be talking no matter who is calling the plays, they're both going to be talking. There's just no way around that because that's the way they have said that they run this thing is they get input from each other and they get input from guys up in the (laughs) booth. You know, they're all talking about what it is they're going to do on any given play. And I, I just find it hard to believe that Andy Reed would give up that much control uh, over things. I think what in Reed's mind, what, happens with the enemy is that he's really good at getting the game plan together, you know, figuring out which plays are going to work best against the schemes that the other defense typically runs, uh, you know, figuring out what that should look like on the sheet that they all are looking at during the game so that they can, you know, make the right decisions based on what they see. This is an under underappreciated part of what coaches do this logistical stuff. And I think that Andy Reid thinks Eric Biannimi does a terrific job at that stuff, and Eric Biannimi does that stuff, probably with input from Andy Reid. But I think that's why Andy Reid thinks that Eric Biannimi is a, is a great head coaching candidate, because he understands how to do those things, and because that's his job. And I think we get too wound up in over who is calling a particular play in a given situation, because I'm not sure that you can really put it on one person based on the way they've talked about it.
3: That's just potato.
1: I love you. I read the whole thing. So don't change it to one. You're nuts here. And <laughs> the I'll explain why. So both coaches are talking because that is by design so because yeah, maybe B enemy calls what I would say, maybe in the realm of a, a few plays a game, but they both are mm-hmm. talking to distract. So if someone is pulling a Bill Belichick and looking at the calls, right. mm-hmm. both of them, who are you going to look at essentially? Mm-hmm. Here's the other thing. So Andy Reid, of course, he's the head coach and he's very involved and he watches every play at practice and knows what's going on with his defense. He lets Steve Spagnuolo do his thing. This is how he designs it. He wants to be the offensive head coach and then he wants the defensive head coach, in this case the defensive coordinator, to just run his operation so he can zone in on the the offense, you, you know, you'd med, mentioned 70, 30, 70. It is not even as much as that, in my opinion, from what I've kind of gathered, it is, it is small. Now he oversees it. He has a uh, uh, say on what the defensive game plan is mm-hmm. going to be. Of course, sure. he's the head coach, but he lets Spags beat Spags. The reason that the defense improved was because they got players back and the defensive line started playing well. Rewind if you need to, but I essentially talked about the front floor earlier on in the podcast. Now, with Andy Reid and enemy. I tend to think maybe there are things that we don't know about that Andy Reid has added to the enemy's plate leading into mm-hmm. games. Maybe there mm-hmm. is additional game planning, as, John, you were, were discussing. But Andy Reid, for the most part, is calling place. He likes it too much. He only has so mm-hmm. many years of Patrick Mahomes. I think, right. you know, under-talked about, but Andy Reid had like a little bit of a health scare this year. Maybe that made him realize, okay, I don't know how many years I'm going to go at this. We used to think it would just be forever, but who knows if that's even the case. He's not going to let other guys end up calling what would be 90% of the game. And so, no, Andy Reid is still calling plays. Uh, it, It was more of a thing, and you've seen offensive improvement because Patrick Mahomes needed the reps. We've talked about how they've needed to kind of correct his mechanics on the fly here, and we've gotten to watch it. That's why... The offensive offense has improved again. Maybe the enemy is involved in the game planning, which is why you've seen them go a little bit more balanced. He has talked about balancing the run Mm -hmm. and pass game.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And here's, and here's the thing just because he isn't calling plays doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't deserve a head coaching job. If you remember, what was Andy Reed's background? was a GD offensive line coach. And he has said that, Mm -hmm. Right. So give Eric bien a chance at this point to the rest of the NFL. It doesn't matter how much he's doing or not doing. We will see how it ends up playing out. I, I mean, I do tend to think Biennami will get less opportunities this year because he's almost interviewed with the entire league. It's how many mm-hmm. times can he interview with, with the similar teams, and we'll see what ends up happening. But there you go, Potato. Didn't love the threat. That's the first one I'll take is right now. No <laughs> threats in the rankings we appre- or, or the ratings. We appreciate the ratings. We don't need <laughs> threats. I'm not going to succumb to threats. If someone else gives me a one-star threat, I'm not reading it again. So please just, oh, if, you, if you wow, wow. The gauntlet. Taking the stand here. Sorry, potato. One and only. My one and only potato. <laughs> okay, that's it. we got to close the podcast now. So it's been a good show. Coming up this week on uh, the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, the Arrowhead Drive resumes. We have the Great British Chief show. From what I, I can tell, Tom Childs will... Be back in the mix. I know that BK was back last week. That shows on on Friday. Special guest in the Arrowhead. Um, what am I saying? The Arrowhead Pride interview series this week. ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum will join oh, the nice. podcast network to preview what has become another biggest game of the year between the Chiefs and the Bengals, as they could potentially, uh, after clinching the AFC West, clinch the AFC first round bye. so it's a good week on the arrowhead pride podcast network we'll keep you updated with the COVID stuff at arrowheadpride.com thank you for listening rate and review us with no threats for steve serta john dixon my name is Pete sweeney thank you for listening to us on the arrowhead pride editors show
0: first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up the to-do list starts From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.